Well, <clears throat> every Easter, we choose it as, an, as a moment to kick off a new series. Um, if you're new to Celebration Church, I like to teach in series uh, simply because I think we learn by Pete and repeat. We just go over it and over it and over it sometimes. And then also, it's I tend to be a graphic kind of guy. I tend to stick with pictures and word pictures and stories. And I feel like series helps us kind of hang all these different things. It's a good tree for us to hang all of this wonderful stuff on. And so we're kicking off a series today called Cross Reference. And we're simply going to be looking at these different places, and there's actually seven things Jesus said on the cross, and, and we're going to be starting that first one next week. But today we're going to take care of something that Jesus said after the cross that gives us perspective looking back to the cross because his disciples didn't get it. They didn't understand when it was happening, what it was all about. So if you have your notes open, the little little pretty thing we handed you on the way in, blue and green, or if you have your Uversion app open, then you can go to Uversion events and you can follow along. And our big concept that we wanted to hit today is that the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. It didn't just change some things. It didn't just give things a boost. It wasn't an opportunity to start over. It, was, it changed the dynamic of everything. Every once in a while, you and I get to experience and get to be part of some sort of a revolution. There's something that we begin to see that things begin to shift and take a change. And things begin to, to alter. And from that point forward, everything is changed. You can't go back again. We've seen social revolutions dating back to the 60s that were so needed with, with all of the, the racial divide and the gender divide and all of these different things as, as there was all this tension and hate. And praise God that, that there were some things that took place that began to, to at least bring to our minds that you and I should get along no matter the color of our skin or, or, the, or any of those pieces. Then there's some things that you and I see every once in a while where we get to be a part of a technology revolution. Where we get to have something. And in 2007, there's something that changed things forever. My life was changed forever because God spoke to us to sell everything and jump in a motorhome. And to travel around and eventually start Celebration Church. That was a big year for us. That changed everything for the Clark family. But Apple decided that they looked at the traditional phone and thought that the phone could be so much more. And so many of you are following along with your notes. Maybe it's a Samsung. Maybe it's some other device. But you can think all of its handiness to Apple, whether you like them or not, because they pioneered the iPhone. And now my kids, the last thing in the world that device is to them is a phone. Why in the world they're so reluctant to talk on the thing, I don't know. I'm like, it's an iPhone. You're supposed to talk on it. They would so much rather text me or whatnot. And I'm it's sad that, uh, that my 13-year-old, his, his phone etiquette is just terrible. And so he tries to talk like you text. Like it's a walkie-talkie. 
So he'll sit there and want to speak and then wait for some sort of thing to come through. And I'm like, uh, son, this works like we're just near each other. We're, it's like we're right here. But the, his phone, the last thing in the world his phone is to him is a phone. It's some way to play a game. It's some way to get online. Where you and I get to be a part of the Facebook revolution. Where all of a sudden we're able to be a part of each other's lives. And my Mima, who may be watching right now, is thankful that she didn't have a, she's never had a computer. She's never had anything in her life. She's 82 years old. And she got an iPad. And she could poke it. And she had one of these that she could control. And she would be able to poke that thing and different things would happen. And all of a sudden she was able to be online and on Facebook and be a part of our lives and tell us hello and like what's going on. And all of a sudden the world got smaller and smaller as we got more and more connected. We'll never go back. The platform will change, but we will never go back to being as disconnected as we once were. There are moments that just change everything to the good and and sadly, there can be moments that feel like they change everything to the negative. Some of you are here because there's a weight and there's something hanging over your head. There was a decision by you or there was a decision by someone else. And you look back and you're like, life has never been the same again. That decision changed everything. Well, you know what I like? I like was when there's something that that comes in and it changes everything when something came in and changed everything. Because every once in a while you think something comes in and changes everything and you're like, it wasn't that great before, it's certainly not that great now, and I need something to come in and change everything. One big, awesome, be able to make an entire new paradigm. I don't even want to redo because the old way, I'm just going to keep falling on my face. I need an entire new system. And folks, that is what you and I celebrate every Easter, every resurrection, is that it wasn't a, the old system 1.2. It was the old system got put aside. And then an entire new thing was brought in. Jesus fulfilled the weight of the law. He fulfilled all those different things and allowed you and I to be able to approach God not on a place where we have to earn anything, but we approach God based on what someone else did. You know, you and I, we want to do that. We want to look at the different things in our lives, and we want to poke and point at someone else. And isn't it amazing that now how you and I are truly made right is that we stand before God and we point to someone else. We point to Jesus. We point to Jesus and say, he's the one that did it. He's the one that changed everything. He's the one that made everything right. I can stand before you, God, based not on what I've done, but based on what Jesus did. And see, the disciples didn't get it. Jesus taught. He preached. He shared with them. He told them he was going to go to the cross. He told them he was going to come out of the grave in three days. And nobody was at the grave waiting. Man, this is going to be good. He's going to come out. This is going to be incredible. We need to get our GoPros. We need to live stream it. This is going to be amazing. Countdown to the resurrection. Nobody did it. 
Nobody counted down to the resurrection. Everybody here, they completely missed that everything was going on. And we're going to catch up with them in Luke chapter 24 with everything kind of sideways. They're trying to figure life out now that their hopes were crushed. They're just trying to figure it out. We're going to look at Luke chapter 24 and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, on the first day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, this is referencing to Easter Sunday morning, resurrection morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. Now they're going expecting to find a body. They've done all this extra work. They've prepared the spices. They've got everything going. And they trudge down to the tomb, hoping to convince a bunch of Roman soldiers to crack that big, heavy stone and let them in to finish what they didn't get to finish up on Friday. They sat there and they just barely got him in the tomb before the sun went down. And so, and they've got their spices, and they're ready to go and deal with a dead body. They're ready to go deal with a dead body. Folks, if there was somebody else, if you and I were making this up and we were writing this, we would have our heroes, the people who were supposed to be doing this, that they'd have been on page with Jesus. They'd have been at the tomb. They'd have been doing something awesome. They'd have been sitting there watching it happen. They'd have been high-fiving Jesus as he comes out. But instead, they're hiding, and the only people that go to the tomb are there expecting to find him dead. Their hopes have been crushed, and they're just ready to put a little bit of ointment on their crushed hopes. They feel like if they can just finish this up and put this behind them, then they're going to be okay. It says, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? You were supposed to kind of have a clue about this. He told you he wasn't going to stay in here. Why are you here in a graveyard looking for someone who's alive? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. I don't think Jesus was very cryptic about it. Huh. I wonder what Jesus meant by this. I wonder what it meant that he was going to be delivered over to these people, crucified and rise again. Hmm. It's pretty straightforward, but they still could not wrap their minds around it. But in verse 8 it says, And then they remembered his words. We're going to spend the next seven weeks remembering 
the words of Jesus and connecting with what happened on the cross. Because see, as followers of Jesus, we've been sent to share the good news of his resurrection. The reason we're here in San Angelo, Texas, in a movie theater, thousands of miles away from that empty tomb, thousands of years later, is because somebody took it serious to share with what God had done in their life, with what the risen Savior in the empty tomb meant to them. You and I are here all this time later. There's been a ton of stuff happen on this planet that we are clueless about. Some of it really cool. We'll never know. But this is still here. And it begs the question, why? Why in the world? Why in the world are we talking about this moment that happened in an obscure part of a, the Roman Empire all of these years later. The reason we're talking about it is because it was relevant and life-changing for the first people. And guess what? And, the reason, and then they told somebody else, and it was relevant, and it changed everything for them. And they told someone else, and it was relevant, and it changed everything for them. And they told someone else. And it was relevant to their life and it changed everything for them. And guess what? I'm here to tell you and I'm sharing this because it is relevant in my life. And it has changed everything in my life. And we're still talking about it. Not because it's something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's because the resurrection is still happening today in you and I. It's not old news. It's right now news. It's not something we've dug up that's ancient history. It's something that's still alive and still changing everything. And you and I are the ones who are supposed to share it. In fact, we're going to look here that this is the first interaction the resurrected Jesus has with his disciples. It says, guess what? I'm, I'm going to send you to do this. Let's look at, look at John 20. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, this is Easter Sunday evening. So the ladies have that moment there at the at the grave later that same evening when the disciples were together because they had scattered if you remember the story everybody just kind of leaves everybody just kind of scatters says when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the jewish leaders jesus's body is missing and they are suspect numero one through twelve eleven missing judas sorry they're the prime suspects they're hiding out. They're locked down. Everybody thinks they're the ones that stole the body. And they are hiding out. It says, and Jesus came and he stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. There he is. He's the one. I saw him. I saw him drive those nails. From a distance, I saw that, that Roman soldier pierce his side just to make sure he was dead. There it is. His hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That's why we're here. Because we've been sent. The groups before us, the believers before us were sent. You and I are here because we've heard the good news. We're here to celebrate it, but we're still set. We still have this good news to share. Your story of what God is doing in your life will change 
people's lives forever. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in His great mercy He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, here they are. Here's the first guys that are given the word to see. They've seen Jesus resurrected. They know His teachings and they're the ones sent. And so you, you would think that things would go really well for them. Okay? And especially because their first target we're about to look like is a soft target. Man, they're going to share this good news with somebody. They're going to tell somebody that Jesus is resurrected. That's our job. We're supposed to do that. We're going to go out and do this. And sadly, they had about their as good of a first time as I did with my first message I preached. Man, I got invited to go and share my testimony with a youth group. I was barely 20 years old. And uh, newly married for just a few months. And on the way in, Cutie and I said, you know what? We are not going to do youth ministry. We want nothing to do with youth ministry. We were just barely not youths ourselves. She was 19 and I was 20. We've been married for just a couple of months. But I've been asked to just share with what God had done in my life, my testimony. So I stand up in front of about 25 teens. And nobody pays attention. It was terrible. Nobody paid attention. No lives were changed. Nobody said, man, that message was awesome. They were talking to each other, and they, they didn't even have iPhones. They, were, they didn't, weren't even distracted because of iPhones. I was a sorry preacher, and I wasn't even having to deal with technology today. My wife is sitting there on the front row, and there are three girls trying to pick a fight with her. I mean, like eyeballing. You know, she's all sweet today, but man, she'd have scrapped back in the day. You don't want to know about slashing tires and smashing pumpkins. You don't want to know that story. <laughs> and so she's sitting there, and these three girls are just wanting to fight her after youth. We just met these people. It was terrible experience. And in the middle of that, I sit down, and Cutie just so mad goes, this is where God wants us. And I'm, like, I'm glad God told you because I wasn't going to be able to pull that. But it, was just, it just didn't go over well. It just didn't work. And here we catch up with these guys, and they've been sent to share the good news, and here we do it. We catch up with them just right here in verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, was one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. One of us was missing. Thomas, he's a disciple. He's heard Jesus' teaching. He knows all these different things. He knows Jesus said he was going to rise from the dead. We're going to tell Thomas that Jesus is risen. We're going to get our first win under our belt. Boom, boom, here we go. So they tell him. Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the disciples told him, Jesus is risen. We saw him. We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. Just crashed. The first evangelistic experience recorded in Scripture was not a glorious win. But it was for the disciples. Because all they had to do was tell. The results weren't up to them. It wasn't their weight to carry the results. 
Now, you know what? I think that it's pretty wrong that us in Christendom kind of mess this guy Thomas over. Because even if you're brand new to following Jesus, you're familiar with the term doubting Thomas. And poor Thomas. Thomas just has one thing he's jacked up about. One thing. He saw him dead. He saw all those different things. And he's like, look. They talked about that he showed them the nails. He showed them their hands. He showed them the side. He says, I want to put my finger in it and my hand in there, and then I'm going to believe. He's like, I want the same thing you guys got. And he has one moment where he's sitting there and daring to try to believe again. The Bible doesn't call him Doubting Thomas. We do. We do. We don't call Peter cussing Peter. We don't call Paul murdering Paul. We don't call Mark running away naked Mark. He did. He ran away naked. Sorry. It's in the Bible. Read your Bible. But we don't do that. Oh, streaker Mark. There he goes. We don't do that to him, but we do it to Thomas. Why do we do that, folks? Why do we sit there? We were in this new paradigm in Christ. You and I were never meant to have our failures, our low points to define our lives. But you know what? We know more about Thomas's encounter than we know about anybody else's. We, know, we understand him better than we understand any of the other disciples. As we get his dialogue and his interaction. We have his story. And the thing is, is his story does not stop there. In fact, historical evidence says that, that Thomas actually became this incredible missionary. He carries the, the gospel east as far as India. And, and historians say that he actually died a brutal martyr's, martyr's death for the Christ. For him preaching the good news of Jesus. He wasn't this guy that went around doubting all his life and was difficult to deal with. He had one moment. One moment. One moment. Now I want you to see that you and I, we did not miss out. God works in us who have not seen and yet still believe. John 20 verses 26, it says, A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them though the doors were locked Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you and then he said to Thomas put your finger here see my hands reach out your hand and put it into my side stop doubting and believe and Thomas said to him my Lord and my God and then Jesus told him because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There's actually a special blessing declared by Jesus of those who have not seen and still believe. You and I who recognize, and we don't have to see the nail-scarred hands or the hand in the side, we see the power of His life and His resurrection evident and working in the lives of others and in our own lives See, our own stories, our very own stories of the power of the empty tomb can point people to a living and life-changing Jesus. I want to ask the band to go ahead and come up here now. 
as we begin to look further on into John chapter 20. And we look at John chapter 20, verse 30. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which were not recorded in this book. What we wrote down was not even the, the, the tip of the iceberg for what he did. He did a lot of other signs. He did a lot of other things in people's lives. But verse 31 tells us, but these are written. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. These signs These signs were written, sealed up in the scriptures, so that you see them, you may believe. Guess what? He's still alive, and he's still changing lives. And there are still some signs. There's still some things that have been written, so that when you see them and read them, you may believe that Christ is risen and has changed everything. Folks, the resurrection changes everything. (laughs) It changes everything. And I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know where you are in your journey. You've either in something right now and you need some hope. And I pray you got some today. Or you've been through something and you can bring somebody some hope. But either way, we've got a response today. The resurrection changes everything. There is nothing that it doesn't touch. It is a complete turnaround in every area of our lives. And I don't care what has happened to you or what you've done to yourself. There's nothing that the power of the resurrected Savior can't bring into your life and turn everything around. I'm going to ask these to stay up here because they're not done ministering yet. We're We're about to dismiss I'm going to give an opportunity for those who just are ready to step over from death into life. And we're going to give an opportunity for that. But I don't want these to go anywhere. If they sit here and you need prayer, maybe it's not directly with what their sign is about, but you just need prayer about anything. Don't leave here with that weight still on your shoulders. Christ is risen from the dead and He has changed everything. And this morning, if you're still on the outside and for some reason in your mind... You've always had it that somehow you thought that you had to be good enough. Over in T9 right now, we've got a gentleman who's sitting there and lived under the weight of trying to perform for God for decades. And his sign says that. And he, about 10 years ago, he got an understanding of what God has done for him and that it was all about Jesus. And he's been able to live free instead of trying to come to church just to prove to God that somehow that he could be forgiven. Know that he understands that it's because of what Jesus has done. He lives forgiven. And this morning, if that's you today, if you recognize that Jesus Christ is the Savior and you're ready to step over from death to life, you just simply say, I believe it. And if that's you, just lift your hand up. Just lift your hand up. Yes, yes. Awesome, 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 awesome. Awesome. Yes. The Bible says we believe in our heart that Christ has been risen from the dead. He has done it for us. And we've stepped over from death into life. I want to be a part of you praying. 
and be a part of this. You as a forgiven, righteous, heaven-ready person having a conversation with your heavenly Father. And I'm just going to loan you some words. Believers ask you to give these, say these words with them. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the empty tomb. I thank you for the risen Savior. That Jesus died for me. And his death counted for my death. I'm no longer judged by my sin. Jesus has taken the judgment. And I'm right with you today. Because of what Jesus did. I invite you to change me. From the inside out. Work within me. In Jesus name. Amen. Woo! I'm just going to pray over you right now. We're just going to be dismissed. Again, this team is now, we're just turning them into a ministry team. And if you need prayer for anything at all, please, please don't rush out of here. We'll have people over there in T9 ready to pray in T9 as well. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We're thankful that Christ is risen and has changed everything. Lord, we just decree it, Heavenly Father, that we, our entire lives, Lord, have been reshaped, Heavenly Father, and remade. We are new creations because of what Jesus did. And Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, I thank you that chains are broken, Heavenly Father, that that lives are healed. Lord, as we go out of here in the strength of your resurrection power, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all have an amazing Resurrection Sunday.